0: Welcome to Talking Walking, hosted by Andrew Studd from Rethinking Cities and the Museum of Walking. Talking Walking brings you interviews with people from the world of walking, artists, activists, professionals and those of us who have a passion for just taking a walk. There are 19 long distance national trails in the UK and you're about to hear from Martin Howe who has walked each of them, but he hasn't stopped walking and he is now completing the newly designated English Coast Path. So what got him going in the first place? And what kept him going? And what is his advice to anyone considering walking one or more of the National Trails? I try to keep up with him as we walk through Regent's Park in London, as he explains his mantra of Beast, Feast and Yeast and how his endeavours got published in his book, aptly called The Big Trails. What's a sort of typical day for a man who's walking the English coast path?
1: Well, it uh, depends if I'm camping, wild camping, uh, or camping at a campsite or staying at a B&B or a cheap hotel, but it's generally as soon as I get up, go yeah, and have a good breakfast. Um, Whatever I can grab, really. Um, Porridge is a favourite, particularly you know, sort of cooking that in my stove because it's very simple to make. But it also has the effect of supporting you. I think for most of the day, I find I can walk a whole day almost on a big bowl of porridge. That works for me. And then, yeah, I don't really try to aim for a distance in the day. It's more, I think, in terms of time, not distance. So if I can do a good four hours straight off. Um, stop briefly for lunch if I'm carrying it, or if there's some opportunity to have a cafe or something like that. Stop there, and then do another four hours something like that. So eight hours. Can be 20 miles 24 miles something like that what well, i noticed as we walked from the station you had a longer stride
0: than i uh, you know how how's it work? Do you do you sort of low prolong or what, what's, what's no, that's
1: interesting of... i think you just find your natural rhythm and uh, what's interesting is if i think there's a relationship between your breath and your heart rate and your walking pace and if you get those to be you know sync or they synchronize I find you get into a state where you just walk along without. Well, you don't think, do you, when you walk, so it's just what's comfortable to me. How far have we got so far on the English uh, case Well, I, I, I started in Cromer uh, in Norfolk, which you might find as a bit of an unusual place to start, but that's where I ended my journey of walking all the 19 national trails, if we can call the ones in Scotland uh, national trails and include them in the list. And I have walked as far as Chichester, so, going <laughs> clockwise.
0: Are you going to circumnavigate the whole of uh, England again, or are you going to say, oh, well, I've already walked the southwest coast path, so I don't have to walk that again?
1: Well, uh, I, th- I think that uh, the southwest coast path is such a highlight that I couldn't possibly miss it. And also, I'll be walking it in the, another direction, so I'll be walking it from South Haven Point to, to my head. So, definitely when I get to that ferry. <laughs> It'll be very difficult to resist uh, putting a foot on the ferry and catching it across and starting the walk down the south to Lands End and back up. And there's other ones, of course, in the Cleveland Way will be part of the England Coast Path. And I've already been walking, you know, sections which I've walked before. So the Norfolk Coast Path is also part of England Coast Path, and, and so on. And Bits of the South Downs Way uh, as well, uh, and North Downs Way, is uh, England Coast Path as well.
0: Okay, so you got up one morning and you thought, well, hey, I'm going to walk every trail in England. Come on, what brought this on?
1: Well, I don't think uh, that really happened. I, it's really a change in circumstances at work. I've, I was about ten years ago. I sort of, yeah, you know, I'd finished a piece of work. In fact, I left uh, a company and. I was with my wife in Pembrokeshire and we were walking in the Pembrokeshire coast. And I said, well, what am I going to do? I've got a couple of weeks before my next job. What should I do? And she said, well, why don't you do, walk the Pembrokeshire coast path? And then that triggered a memory I had when I was 15. When I walked the Pembroke coast path in the mid-70s with a friend of mine, where we used to have canvas pot tents and brass primer stoves and (laughs) things like this and so i thought oh let's do that so i set off to do that i'd already been doing some mountaineering and general you know sort of daytime walks maybe weekend walks but i thought i'd do that so i did that and that sort of triggered the interest and after that i walked the ridgeway and after the ridgeway i said well
0: I can to have to ask. Uh, you it's know, not... all this time you're still married to your wife. Yes. Yeah. Right? she. So, <laughs> all of these walks, you do alone, or do you do it with her, or do you? Uh, no, do I it with do them on my own.
1: Uh, I, 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 mean, I'm quite content with my own company. Uh, I find that you walk when you walk alone, you're, you're more approachable, and um, you meet more people that way. Yeah, rather than the assumptions that are made about a couple and what have you. But also I can walk at my own pace, get up when I like, stop when I like, eat when I like, you know, change direction when I like without not having to talk to (laughs) anybody about it. (laughs) Not
0: having to negotiate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But afterwards when I come back I do, we have a camper van I say to my wife I'm just going out to check the best bits and when I come back home I do take her back in the camper van and we go to all those little cafes and beaches and... Yeah, it's places which I found through walking, which you can't really find yeah, if you're driving, going on a driving, or even a cycling holiday, you would miss them. And so I'm able to take her back to that. She's quite happy with that. <laughs> she okay. does her own stuff as well. So, <laughs> so Okay. Tell us
0: a bit more about the English coast path. Which bits you've discovered uh, that you
1: would take your wife back? First of all, it's not complete. Yeah, It's one of those, you know, how long's a piece of string? I think it's going to take many years before it's technically continuous. There's certainly intent, but in terms of a waymark path, it's not complete. Yeah, So there's lots of sections which uh, you have to choose your own path, so to speak. And there's lots of sections of coast which are closed because they're military or sort of commercial uh, enterprises blocking the path that they intend to open. But walking um, uh, Norfolk, Suffolk uh, and Essex, I found the, the section in Essex was particularly good. You know, All the complexity of the estuaries and the islands and the tidal uh, zones of which there are many because it's very low-lying. You know. Uh, the tide from low to high can cover maybe a mile or two miles out you know, and there were many routes which I were able to follow at low tide but you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to follow them at high tide so it's, it was quite an interesting from that point of view plus the bird life and just the sheer sense of space was amazing
0: very yeah. uh, unusual characters
1: aren't they? They're interesting ducks, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they are great. I wonder what they are. I've never seen those before. Very colourful. Cool. Oh, look where that one is at home.
0: Yeah, perhaps we should say we're in a, you know, where we are. Yeah, well, we're <laughs> in Regent's Park. and It's amazing
1: what you can actually see, you know, even in urban areas. Um, I mean, here you've got Canada geese, you've got the, you've got the coots, you've got the Egyptian geese there. And a few that I've never seen before. You don't have to walk around the coast to, to see all the bird life and just come to London. So you were
0: mentioning that you uh, enjoyed walking around the Thames Estuary. Now, I mean, a lot of people would think most of that was uh, sort of industrial and uh, almost dystopian. If someone said, here's the southwest coast path or here's the Thames Estuary, you, you, would, uh, you would go for the southwest coast path, wouldn't you?
1: Yes, but I do like the contrast, I like the reality of industrial landscapes and then changing into you know the estuary and the sea walls and the history and the forts which are there, the medieval forts, and the bird life was exceptional, and just the general sense of tranquility. I mean, you would walk for most of the day and not meet anybody, mind you this was in November. Yeah, that's very much in contrast if you're walking the southwest coast path in august it can be unpleasant actually because there's so many people so even though it's more picturesque you know what you're going to get whereas when i went to essex i didn't really know what i was going to get and therefore that something new was quite appealing okay so
0: tell us a little bit about the planning for these uh, walks because i mean this this is really and now you must be a bit of a expert at knowing what you need to plan did you did you start with a checklist and then discover the checklist was inadequate (laughs) when you
1: say that i'm an expert maybe in the early days i used to put a lot of effort and i was very meticulous about planning but now i've become very complacent and (laughs) i do get things wrong now i tend to think three days ahead yeah nothing more than that I certainly don't have two weeks booked ahead in where I'm going to stay and everything planned. I've got a rough plan, and um, you know, having a tent always on your back gives you a lot of flexibility. But it's nice to know when you set out in the morning that you've got somewhere to stay that evening, uh, particularly if you're walking in the winter when it will be dark. You don't really want to be sorting out accommodation. And a couple of times in Essex, there were problems, and I found it easier to catch the train home and stay home and come back again on the train.
0: I'm not sure whether my, my listeners would uh, now discover I'm interviewing someone oh, who's... But, yeah, when when, when your
1: wife says that she's making a nice curry or something like that, that oh, really sort well. of adds to the <laughs> persuasion. But I didn't walk it continuously. I walked it in sections. I think the longest I went forth was about two weeks. But there were sections when I was only walking five days. It was almost like going to work on a Monday uh, and then coming back on a Friday. How long has it taking you so far from Cromer to Chichester? I think it's 25 days. I might have to go and check that, but I think it's 500 miles, 25 days, I think that I've walked. I haven't carried a GPS watch or anything. I'm just, I'm not too concerned about the distances. and Keep the sea on your left, is
0: not it? Yeah, I keep mean, the yeah. sea on
1: the left. But the, the, the 19 trails, I think, I did, you know, sort of keep accurate records, and I think it came up to, was it 3,095 miles or something like that, of which I've walked about 3,200, because you always miss, miss a bit or add bits, and the pace was about 19 miles a day. Oh, that sounds that. incredible to
0: me. I mean, I, I'm exhausted by walking about eight or nine miles a day, so... Uh, 19 is
1: uh, it's increasing actually as I'm getting older. I find that i found that in the early days it was lower But as I get older maybe fitter, but it's also knowing that you can do it
0: I mean as a kid where you were sort of long-distance runner or cross-country No, or?
1: no, no I did a lot of cycling, which I still do you know, today I do a lot of cycling now and I've done some long-distance um, Cycle routes around the North Sea and around the Irish Coast Lands owned to John O'Groats via the Irish coast, and that was uh, very good, but...
0: People want to know whether you ever earn a living, I mean...
1: I made a conscious decision ten years ago to give up a sort of corporate life and all its trappings, and I tried to live, obviously you wouldn't call it downsizing, but live a more simple life, and I switched to freelance work, which allowed me to do maybe six to nine months a year of work, and that would give me the three months to go walking. And I'm slowly getting to, you could call it retirement. It's a means of phasing into retirement.
0: Well, I have to be honest, Being having been a freelancer myself for quite a long time,
1: yeah. I, I, some of the times
0: people think I'm already retired and I have to remind them now I'm still functioning. But the,
1: the two things together are quite good. So when I do go back into the work environment, I'm much more relaxed. I seem to be much more empathetic with the team that I'm working with. I've got energy and I'm enthusiastic because here's a brand new challenge ahead of me, which I know is going to be there for six to nine months. And I can really get stuck into it. And I put my effort into it, and it pays dividends.
0: What you mentioned just there, you said that when you do go out for a walk, you feel reassured that you've got a tent on your back. So so tell us what sort of weight and what sort of kit have you got? And, and then, perhaps more importantly, what are the things you wouldn't leave out you'd definitely bring with you?
1: I mean, things I take every time now are walking poles, which is another subject, really. But you know, in the pack, I've, it's been getting light, but not so light... But it's getting ridiculous because you compromise durability. So, I think you have to get the big three right uh, under a kilo each. So, it's for one person, but a tent under a kilo, sleeping bag under a kilo, and your backpack under a kilo. And you spend, you know, spend some reasonable amount of money on getting those right. The rest is fairly straightforward. So, I've done that and I've reduced the weight significantly. I'm, I'm down to about five to six kilos is what you would call the base weight um, with clothing, which is a sort of sustainable over three or four weeks. You add to that food and water, which will put another couple of kilos on top of that. But also finding the gear that lasts, a thin waterproof won't last because it's rubbing on the shoulders. Um, yet if you're using lightweight polythene, that just falls to bits after a while. You know, finding something which is light and durable is difficult. I always say there's three things, durability, weight and cost, and you can pick any two. But if you can get the the main things right, the tent, the sleeping bag and the backpack, then everything kind of falls into place.
0: Every day when you set out, you're always carrying a tent or no, because sometimes you really plan to be...
1: Generally always carrying a tent, except when I know that I'm staying, I've got places booked, I might be going for five days which is a pleasure, actually. But actually, the weight is not that much difference because I carry more clothes.
0: Are you taking a camera with you? or uh...
1: No, I just use the phone. I'd like to take a camera. I joked with the... Um, you know the guy who's walked around Britain, Quentin Lake? Yes, yeah. And no. he's got a kit list. And it shows in there that he's got a tick remover, which he's cut in half to save half a gram but he's carrying five kilos worth of camera kit with him <laughs> but he is quite interesting it's not about where he's gone I mean it is about but it's why he's going You know, to take the photographs and his photography is fantastic
0: you've written a book um the big trails yep did you set out with the intention of writing a book or how did you keep notes
1: Can I would just write the basics of the day not focusing on what I have for breakfast or how far I walked. I'll make a note of that, but, but what was unusual about the day? Who did I meet? What did I see? Sometimes I call it uh, beast, feast, and yeast, which was what beast did I see? You know, it was a bird or a deer or something. You know What was interesting about the food, because I like food when I'm walking, and yeast, which was what was the beer. <laughs> so I just kept a record of that that accumulated over time and this was the days before the uh, social media and what-have-you I used to write postcards and send them home the Southwest Coast path I've got I think about 40 postcards which you know when I came home my wife gave me this pile but it was it was the diary as well a mixture of notebooks and postcards and other means and photographs it was the source data so to speak so part of your
0: southwest coast path walk was the search for the post box yeah every morning yeah and stamps
1: <laughs> um yes i met um, somebody on a walk and we were talking about famous walking books you know particularly richard merrill for example and his, his turn right at land's end which was written in the 70s and he was a super fit military guy who used to carry, like, 90 pounds on his back, a huge backpack, and he would march, you know, he wouldn't walk, he would march around. It's a really good book, and, and we talked about other books we really enjoyed reading, and this person said, well, if you like reading, why don't you try writing, because it's an intense form of reading, you know, like, television is passive. But reading is not passive, it's sort of slightly active But if you want to take it further, then write So I started writing And just to see where it would go And I sent a couple of chapters to friends Some who were copywriters And some people who were sort of, not in the trade But connected to it And they made a few suggestions So I went back and rewrote them And I said, yeah, that's good, keep going And before I knew it, I had 19 chapters As soon as I managed to get that out on paper, the structure, the content, the research, the dialogue, the descriptive stuff, everything, then I went back and really tried to polish it as much as possible. Not with the view of, you know, necessarily getting it published, but just for my own pleasure, almost. I, I got it to a state where I thought, well, let's put it, let's try and get it published. And I contacted. Yeah. A dozen of publishers and nothing happened for um, six months, nine months. I thought, oh, well, let's just stick this as self published Kindle. And so I was just thinking about a book cover and commissioning somebody to do a cover. And I got an email from Vertebra that said they'd like to publish the book. I was absolutely thrilled. Uh, I found out later that it's unusual to get a completed copy of a book that was pretty much finished the editor didn't have much too much work to do and it just went from there really When you get back to Chichester you'll be completing the English coast path but what happens next? Well after the English coast which shouldn't take too long I'll probably finish it this year but I'm, I'm keen to do some more cycle touring I'm particularly keen to do some more off-road cycle touring in and around Scotland and the Scottish Islands which I've already done some island hopping uh, on a bicycle, uh, which was really enjoyable. But I haven't really thought about it yet. I, I think what I really need to do is to get into Europe. So cycle tour in Europe, I think would really appeal. But it's only when you come to the end of your current project, if you call it that, that something you know, sparks into your mind that uh, triggers the next adventure. I know it's
0: going to be difficult for a man who's walked so many places and uh, so far, but can you come up with a couple of recommendations?
1: Well, anything coastal I recommend, but I'm partial to coastal walking. Mm. do which is my favourite and none of them particularly, but the one of them which combines all the elements for me in terms of the people that you meet, a bit of coastal walking, bit of inland walking, you know, um, is the Cleveland Way and so i definitely recommend that and then for a coastal path I think the pembrokeshire coast path is is a good introduction to rugged coastal walking and some of the sections there can be uh, can be exceptional
0: well I've, I've been to pembrokeshire and um and i sort of walked a bit of the coastal path up to st david's and i remember that was that was really lovely well
1: if, if you just walk out to the st david's head because it's got a prehistoric feel to it. It's almost like being on the top of a mountain when you go out there and you've got all the, you know, sort of ancient burial chambers and what have you. But you just sit on the end of that point and watch the porpoises and the birds. It's a fantastic place. And that, that section from St. David's up to Fishguard is, is really good. And the youth hostels on the way. There's one in White Sands Bay. There was also another one in Trevine. And there's one in Paulderry, all exceptional uh, places to stay.
0: You've been listening to Talking Walking, brought to you by Rethinking Cities and the Museum of Walking. In this episode, you've heard from Martin Howe. If you have any views on this interview or any walking issues, we would love to hear from you. Just follow the links on the Talking Walking website. We look forward to having you along for future episodes of Talking Walking. Written, recorded, and produced by Andrew Stuck of Rethinking Cities Limited, our artwork is designed by Ian Martin of Art, of Art Graphics, and the music is composed by Simon Sanders of Easy Tronic.